Praise the Lord, everyone. Good morning, and welcome to the Church of Omaha. I want to welcome all of our guests and those that are watching online. We are very glad that you could join us this morning. And uh, this morning, I feel led to begin. Uh, I want to open up with prayer. Uh, there are a lot of people in our church facing situations. I know uh, Brother Jeremy and Sister Courtney if I'm, are in Maine, something to do with his grandfather. I know the Cole family, we want to pray for them. They're still battling COVID. Uh, there are other members uh, here I know of that are facing situations and uncertainty. Um, and then also I want to remember, you know, uh, there was a shooting here in Omaha yesterday at is it the mall. And if, if I read correctly, one of the, the victims did pass away. So uh, just feel like praying for, you know, that situation, the family and, and all of our, all, you know, and I'm sure everyone is facing some, some kind of situation in their life. I have a good friend back home in Louisiana who was battling lung cancer. So I just, if we could stand, I, I just want to open up with prayer and pray for these needs and for most of all for God to be with us here in, in our services today. Dear Lord Jesus, God, I'm so thankful, God, that I have a God like you that I can bring my needs and my petitions before your throne. And your word says that you're touched by the feelings of our infirmities. And God, we bring all of these situations and the needs of our church members and our communities to you today, God. We pray for Brother Jeremy's grandfather. We pray for Jeremy and Kiara and the Cole family that you will heal their bodies and raise them up and restore their health, God. We pray for the victims of the shooting yesterday, God, that you'll be with them and their family members, God. Each and every individual here today, God. Our situations, God, they're too great for us, but we give them to you knowing that you will work them out. And we ask you to be with us in our services today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. With that, I want to get right to the word of the Lord. If you will, turn to 1 John chapter 4. And uh, I'm going to be reading verses 17 uh, and 18. And while you are turning there, uh, I just want to say how much I have enjoyed uh, the series that Bishop has been doing in all the testimonies, uh, and I'm looking forward to more today, I'm sure we have more today, and uh, how inspiring they are, and, uh, and just, I'm so thankful Amen. for a church where you don't have to wear a mask, <laughs> you know, you can just be real, you know. You know, it's okay to be not be okay sometimes, but we're thankful that this is a, a place of hope and a place of healing, a safe place, and uh, just glad to be here. And uh, with that, 1 John chapter 4, verses 17 and 18, where it says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. 
and for the next 30 minutes or so, I'm gonna, just going to try to talk about uh, the antidote to fear. The antidote to fear. With that, you may be seated. I, uh, I grew up in a small town in Louisiana called Gina, Louisiana, uh, about 5,000 people, and uh, there wasn't much there when I was growing up. They have a McDonald's and a Popeye's now and a few other things. They didn't have that when I was there. They had a couple restaurants, and so as a, as a child, it was a big deal to travel the 35 miles or so to the the big city of Alexandria, all right, which is a, right now a population probably close to 50,000, but it was a big deal as a kid to, this is the early, mid-70s, you know, uh, to, to travel to Alexandria and go to the mall and go out to eat and stuff like that, and uh, I remember this one particular time that uh, uh, we, we went to Alexandria, it was a uh, my mom, myself, and my sister, and my mom's four sisters, if I remember correctly, and uh, most of them were still uh, at home, not married, because uh, uh, I was probably maybe three years old. My hair was still blonde, so that's how I know it was. I was very, I was very young, and so uh, we went to a Kmart store there in Alexandria, and uh, and uh, so. Uh, we walk in, of course, now the, it's, the store is still there. It's not a Kmart. It's a Sutherland's Home Store, and, and I used to go in there all the time. But at, at this time, it was a Kmart store. And I, I believe I had been in there before. I'm not sure, but I, I remember we walk in the door. You walk in the doors, and when you walk in, there's like the little area where you get your buggies, and then there's a big main aisle that goes this way, and then you have all of the, the registers, the cash registers here, and then there's like a another big aisle that kind of intersects that one. And uh, over to the left, I remember, was like the women's clothing section, and then, and then you had the rest of the store. And so we, we walk into the, the, the store, into Kmart, and my mom and sister and, and her, three of her sisters, they were going to go to the, the women's section to the left, well, I was the only boy, and I didn't want to go to the women's clothing section. Well, so my Aunt Virginia, she was the next oldest. My mom's the oldest. She was going somewhere else. I, I don't remember where she was going, but she was going somewhere else. And I said, I'm going with Aunt Virginia. And I don't know if I didn't communicate that well to everyone or, or, or how everything transpired. But anyway, my mom and her sisters and my sisters, they all went to the women's section. And Aunt Virginia takes off to the opposite corner of the store. And so I'm following along. I thought I was beside her. Maybe I was a little bit behind her. But we're going. And uh, she makes the bad choice of walking through the toy section. All right. And so we're walking along. And I'm walking along. And I see this toy rifle all right it's like the lever action kind of 30 30 toy rifle well man that thing just called out to me and so I stopped and picked up this toy rifle and started looking at it and playing with it unbeknownst unaware of the fact that my aunt kept walking she was unaware of the fact that I had stopped in the toy section to play with this toy gun, right? Yeah. 
And so I don't know how long I played with the gun. It could have been a minute. It could have been two minutes. It, it probably felt like five or ten minutes, but you know how when you're a kid, time seems to, you know, it probably wasn't that long. Well, however long it was, a minute, two minutes, five minutes, I, I decided, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm through playing with this toy gun, and I put it back on the shelf. It was at that moment that I realized that my Aunt Virginia was gone, all right? And here I was, three-year-old little boy in a Kmart store, and I was lost. And just a few seconds before, I was content and happy and enjoying life, playing with this toy. All of a sudden, I was afraid. I was lost. And I was scared, and I did not feel safe. Well, somehow I managed to find my way back up to the front of the store by the cash registers, and by this time I'm bawling, all right? And this, this sweet lady, I can almost see her face. It's, you know, it's been close to 50 years ago, but she comes up to me, and she's like, what's wrong? And I was like, I'm lost. I can't find my mama. And she goes, well, what's your mom's name? And I go, Mama, duh, you know, I didn't know my mom's name was Allison, I just knew her as mom, so, and I, I'm, I'm squalling, you know, and so she gets on the intercom, you know, page, Kmart shoppers and all that, and she says, we have a, a, a small, about three-year-old little blonde-haired boy up here who, who's lost, and within a minute, 30 seconds, I don't know, here comes one of my aunts, you know, uh, to get me. And take me back uh, and, you know, all is well. I survived. Uh, But I I tell that story uh, because obviously it made a big impact on my life. (laughs) I can remember it from the time I was three-year-old. And, and, you know, fear is a very powerful emotion, okay? It's a very powerful emotion and and, uh, it, uh, it can control our lives if we let it. But uh, at, years ago, I, 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 I used this story when I was speaking back home and because I realized that Kmart is kind of like an allegory for the world, okay? You see, the world can be a very scary place, all right? can be an unsafe place. But see, as long as I was by my Aunt Virginia, as long as I was by someone that I loved and loved me, and I felt safe and secure. Kmart was nothing. It was just a store. All right? But the moment that I realized that I was separated from that loved one, that's when the fear and the, the, the insecurity and the feeling of not being safe crept in. That's kind of how it is in our walk with God. All right? As long as we're walking with him in this scary, evil, unsafe world, we're okay. But you know, just like that toy gun was placed just at the right spot. You see, there are people that work in marketing that get paid a lot of money to know just where to place products in the stores to grab our attention. Matter of fact, the Pepsi and the Coke guys and the Frito-Lays and the Tostitos, they fight over shelf space. 
Because they know if they get their product at just the right eye level and just that it's going to sell more than if it's down way at the bottom or way up top. You know, the enemy is just like that. He knows what to put at just the right place at just the right time to get us distracted, to get our attention away from walking with Jesus. And if we're not careful, we can let whatever it is, and it's different for everybody, we can let that whatever, it could be a financial situation, it could be a situation with a family member, it could be something at work, whatever it is, it could be football season, it could be hunting season, it could, whatever it is. The enemy knows just how to get us distracted and get our focus away from following him because the Bible says that we have to walk with him. You see, there's too many Christians, and I myself have been guilty, we want Jesus to walk with us. We want to walk our own path and him to follow along and take care of us, but that's not how the Bible says we have to follow him. And so the enemy can get us distracted, and then all of a sudden we realize, oh, wait, I'm, I'm not, I don't feel Jesus. I, don't, I'm, I may be out of the will of God. I've, I've gotten, and so that's when this fear sets in. And as I was preparing for this a few days ago, I got to thinking about all the, the fear messages that we're bombarded with. You see, fear sells, okay? I don't know if any of you saw this. I haven't watched the video. I just read about it that uh, this project, the guy that does Project Veritas where he goes in and does the hidden camera and interviews these people like in news and stuff, and he, he caught a guy from CNN talking about how fear sells, all right? And we are constantly bombarded with these fear messages because if you can keep people in fear, you can control them, all right? And so I got to thinking, you know, when I was back in 1970, I was, it was the late 70s, in elementary school, we had this thing called Weekly Reader, and it was talking about acid rain. Acid rain was going to destroy all the, the forest in New England, up in Maine. They're still there, aren't they, Bishop? Yeah. And then it was the threat of nuclear war with the Soviet Union. And we had the boycott of the Olympics. And there was a, a miniseries that ABC did called The Morning After. And everybody was, it was nuclear war. And then in the mid-80s, there was AIDS, the AIDS epidemic. All right? And I'll never forget, I think it was 91, I was in college coming home, getting into my dorm room after class and... There was a press conference, and Magic Johnson had HIV, and oh, Lord, what's going to happen to Magic Johnson? You know what? He's still alive. He's still doing all right. Then it was the ozone layer, the big hair in the 80s, and the hairspray was causing a hole in the ozone layer. And then, how I think I've mentioned this before, Y2K, everything was going to, Shut down because of Y2K. And then there was the bombing in Oklahoma City. And then, of course, 
9-11. And so now the threat was terrorism and radical Islam. And, and so then we had the Patriot Act. And see, we are willing, if we're scared enough, we'll give up freedoms for safety. And then, after Al Gore got through inventing the internet and wasn't vice president anymore, he made that documentary about an inconvenient truth and global warming or man-made climate change. And then there was the swine flu and the bird flu and Ebola and Zika virus and SARS and now COVID-19 for the last year and a month. And I made this before what happened yesterday, but... Mass shootings. The first one that I remember is Columbine. And there's Sandy Hook. And then there's just been too many to name. And then, you know, constantly bombarded. They sort of call it fear of vision instead of television, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know if you're aware of this, but while we're arguing over, you know, Mr. Potato Head and Dr. Seuss and all this stuff, but Israel and Iran are close to war. Russia and Ukraine are preparing, it seems like, for war. And then there's China. And we got to stay home and we got to stay safe. And there's safe places everywhere. But I'm here to tell you that there's only one safe place in this world. And that's in the presence of Jesus Christ. And I'm, I'm glad that I'm at a church that is a safe place, that his presence is here. And when I do when I do have fear, I know where to go. Hallelujah. You see, I wish I could say that none of this stuff affects me. Most of it I, I can, you know, I, I brush it off. I've just I've lived long enough to realize that, hey, half of this stuff they say is gonna happen, it's not gonna happen. All right. But there are times. There are moments of weaknesses when fear does crop up, you know. And, uh, you know, back when I had COVID last year, and first I wasn't, wasn't that bad. And then I started feeling some tightness in my chest. And for a minute, man, I got scared. And, you know, I found out my, my, a few weeks ago my dad has prostate cancer. And so there was some fear that set in. But I want to say praise. He's got a good report. And we're believing God for, for healing. But... You know, even the mighty David had moments where, where he had fear. If you would pull, put Psalm 56, verses 1 through 4 up there. This is, this is David, the lion slayer, the bear slayer, the giant slayer. The man that when all Israel and even Saul, the king, who was head and shoulders above, tall above everybody else, were hiding in the rocks. David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And, and he faced Goliath, who the Bible says the, the head of his spear weighed about 125 pounds. And, and David ran at him, the Bible says, with nothing but a slingshot. And some rocks. You see, I've learned if you, gotta, if you want to face your fears, the best thing to do is run toward them. Just run toward them. And that's what David did. <laughs> the same David that the women, the damsels of Israel were singing. Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. 
But when Saul all of a sudden let jealousy and envy grip him and began to hunt for David, David flees to caves and he's in hiding in wildernesses. And it's so bad that he thinks it's a good idea to go to Gath, the city of Goliath, the giant that he had slain. And it gets so bad that he realizes, oh, I messed up. I've done fled to my enemies. And he starts acting like he's mad, scratching on the, the gates and letting spit run down in his beard. And he wrote Psalm 56. And in the heading it says, to the chief musician upon a name that I'm not even going to try to pronounce, a victim of David. When the Philistines took him in Gath, he said, Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up, for they be many that fight against me, O thou most high. But this is what I like, he says. What time I am afraid. In other words, even the mighty David realized that there's going to be times when he's afraid. But when I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. You see, David had been anointed king. But see, it's easy. On Sunday morning or Sunday evening, when we're all gathered here together and the, the praise team is praising and the spirit is moving and the atmosphere is supercharged with the presence of God. Like you said, I think it was Wednesday. You can charge hell with a water pistol. It's easy when you're behind this platform in the spirit and the anointing is upon you to declare the things of God. But when Monday comes, when Monday comes and all of a sudden you don't feel that anointing, you don't have the, the praise team singing, the goosebumps aren't going off, fear can set in, doubt can set in. But David, he had to go back because he, you know how David knew? Because David was a shepherd. And he knew the good shepherd. He knew that God was the good shepherd. That's why I wrote Psalm 23. If you can put Psalm 23 up there. Uh, said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I meant to bring this out the last time I preached. You know, I forgot, but I made sure to put it in there. He says, verse 3 says, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then the very next verse says, yea, or even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So apparently, at some point, the path of righteousness is going to lead us through the valley of the shadow of death. <laughs> but, David said, I will fear no evil. For you, O God, the good shepherd, are with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. A couple days ago, I think it may have been Friday, I was talking to a, 
guy back home, mentor, friend, and we were talking about just situations we're going through. His, his father-in-law is battling cancer and just stuff, and he was talking about he was talking to somebody else, and, and so they asked him this question, and they said, Marcel, do sheep fear being attacked by the wolf? And he goes, well, I don't know. And they go, no, they don't fear being attacked by a wolf. They just do what sheep do. They eat grass, and they lay down, and they drink water. You know why they don't fear the wolf? Because they know they got a good shepherd. You see, it's the shepherd's job to worry about the wolf. The sheep's job is just to follow the shepherd. Go eat grass. Go drink water. Lay down. Follow the shepherd. And as long as we follow the shepherd, we don't have anything to fear. Because Jesus is the good shepherd. He says the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And I think sometimes we think of Jesus as the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. But I got news for you. He's not the lamb anymore. That part's done with. When he comes back, he's not coming back as the lamb. He's coming back as the lion of Judah. He's the good shepherd. He knows how to handle lions. He knows how to handle bears. He knows how to handle serpents and dragons. So what do we have to fear as long as we are connected to the shepherd? Because he loves us. He's not a hireling. He proved that. You see, love is the antidote to fear. Because while fear is a very powerful emotion, and there's all kind of things that go on in your brain when fear comes in. There's all kind of hormones and chemicals that release because it's the fight or flight. They call it the fight or flight mechanism. When we're afraid, that this thing called the amygdala in our limbic system, which is where our emotions are, it starts, tells the hypothalamus to start secreting all these epinephrine and norepinephrine and adrenaline and and your body starts releasing all kind of glucose and there's all kind of biological and physiological things that happen to your body when you get afraid because your body is preparing to either run or fight. All right? But you can't stay in that condition. Your body is not meant to be in that, that state all the time. Too much cortisol is bad for your body. All that, that it, after that, those things were off, then you're tired and all that. So we can't let all these fear messages that are bombarding us day in and day out keep us in a state of fear because we are not meant to live and dwell in fear. Matter of fact, if you go back, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't give you this scripture. Genesis chapter 3, I think it's about verse 6. The first time fear is mentioned in the Bible it's in Genesis chapter 3. It's in the garden. It's after the enemy has caught Eve's attention, got her distracted from everything. Everything was perfect, right? They had everything that they could ever want were perfect. There was only one thing that they couldn't have. That one fruit from that one tree. And of course, Satan 
drew her attention to that. We got to keep our eyes on what's right and what's good and let God handle what's not. All right? And I, I'm going to be honest, I have a tendency to, do, to be drawn to what's wrong. Everything, there can be 99 things right and perfect and good, but I'm going to spot that one thing that's just a little bit out of line. All right? God help me. But so, says when the, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired, to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves. And then together and they made themselves aprons. Verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. They went the exact opposite direction that they should have went. They went among the trees of the garden. Verse 9. God, the Lord God called unto Adam and said to him, Where are you, Adam? He knew where Adam was at. When God asks you a question, it's a rhetorical question. He's trying to get you to figure out where you're at. He knows where you're at. He said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. How did Adam know what fear was? All right? The only thing I can figure is, is that because if you go back to our text, Fear has to do with judgment. He knew because he had disobeyed that there was judgment coming. That's the only thing I can figure out. Because up until that time, there, had been, there should have been nothing to make him afraid. All right? But love is more powerful than fear. If we, get to our, if we go to our, you, you know, I, I was waffling back and forth on what, what to preach until Wednesday night. And if you look... When you, we've been reading through the book of John, and we're about to read in 1 John. You, if you haven't picked up on it already, one of the main things of John is love. You see, love is the great. Paul said love is the fulfilling of the law, right? All right? When they asked Jesus, what is the first and greatest commandment? He said, hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And the second one is just like it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On this hang all the law and the prophets. God began to deal with me this a few years ago, and sometimes he has to remind me because I forget. Love is the foundation of everything. All right? I was teaching back when we were still in Alexandria, as I'm trying to close. I, I used to work in a ministry. Uh, it was bus route ministry, and we would bus in uh, children who, you know, were disadvantaged, uh, uh, didn't have good homes. And, and so we're, we're trying to teach them the word of God and try to get on their level. And, and I wasn't the best at it, but I tried. And we were teaching a series on, on the Ten Commandments, you know, starting with the basics. You know, sometimes we need to get back to the basics. And so uh, I, the, the guy who was over the ministry asked me to do the first four, I believe. And so when I was studying for it, I realized that that first commandment, if you get the first commandment right, all the rest just seem to fall into place. 
If you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, then you're not going to have trouble loving your brother. All right? Because John said, if we don't love our brother who we do see, how can we say we love God who we can't see? I, I may have said this before, but I heard this, and I'm not going to say where I heard it because y'all would laugh, but fear leads to anger, and anger leads to hate, and hate leads to violence. Y'all know where that comes from, huh? No? That's why there's so much, all this violence and hatred. I just, the other day I was praying, I don't know what it was. There's been so many shootings and so much things happening, and it's just like, for a minute, God just let me feel just the, all the pain in the world, and a lot of it, it stems from fear. The only way that we're ever going to make a difference is to be able to show the love of God that there is a better way. If I've got the love of God shed abroad in my heart, if I can love Him with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, if I can love my brother as myself, if I can be willing to, like Jesus, to lay down my life for my brother, then that's going to overcome any kind of fear. It's going to show the world that we don't have to live in fear, that there is an antidote, there is an answer to fear, and it's love. I've read where the root of prejudice and racism, it's fear. It's fear. And there are people, they know how to use it. Those people that run the, the networks and television, that they know how to manipulate our minds. Brother Near dwelt on it. It's, it's, it's right here. You know, I, there's two acronyms that I've heard for fear. One is false evidence appearing real, and the other is future events appearing real we can't let fear paralyze us so many people in the last year that have just been ate up and lived in fear and that's not of God the Bible says fear hath torment God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind if I can just get back to the fact that Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak. When I'm weak, he's strong. I'm one of his kids. Go mess with my kids and see. I'm like, Bishop, I'll, God, I'll repent later. I'll try to use my words, but I'm not diplomatic. I'm not, I could never be a, 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 a district superintendent or nothing. I haven't mastered the art of diplomacy. All right? But if I feel that way about my kids, what does he feel about you and I? Scripture says, fear not, little flock. Y'all can, you can stand. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom he is more than able he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think according to his power that works in us so I just want us to pray I want to bind the spirit of fear I want to loose 
the love of God in this congregation, in the city of Omaha, in our nation. I don't, I don't want to have to go through the same thing we went through last summer. And there's already junk starting in Portland. But I know this. I can't change the world. But you know what? The people I come in contact with, I can stay connected to him. And I can be a channel and a vessel for his love to flow through, to reach them. Let's pray. Jesus. God, we need your love. Baptize us fresh and new with your love. Let it emanate from our very being, God. We take authority in the name of Jesus Christ over the spirit of fear that's trying to come against us. In Jesus' name, I speak healing, I speak deliverance, and I declare the love of God over every member of this congregation in the name of Jesus in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's walk in love. Let's love one another. In Jesus' name, let's meet back here at 1120, right? All right. I ended three minutes early. God bless you.